and welcome back to another episode of Season 2 of Behind the Desk with me, Mark Thomas, the podcast where I meet some of the leading figures in the insurance and insurtech space and bring you insight into their views and opinions on the sector, their career journeys, as well as a deeper look into the actual person behind the desk. For Season 2 of the podcast, as you'll know by now, we are focusing purely on inspiring female technology leaders in the sector, exploring their career journeys to date, understanding more about what they love about technology and insurance, and discussing their thoughts on how we can get more talented females into the growing insurance sector. In this episode, I bring you Lisa Gibbard. Lisa is arguably the most experienced tech leader I've had on the podcast so far. She started her career at NatWest Bank in the 90s and has since gone on to hold senior leadership roles with the likes of Aon, Aspen, MS Amlin, and most recently, Thomas Miller. There isn't much Lisa hasn't experienced or seen throughout her career, and her insights into what challenges the insurance space is facing, both from a business and diversity and inclusion perspective, are absolutely fascinating, and I really enjoyed having a chat to her. I've known Lisa for a while, but only from afar, and it was great to really get into what makes her tick and understand more about how she's achieved so much in her career. So without further delay, let's get behind the desk with Lisa Gibbard. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Yeah, really good. Uh, and, uh, first of all, as I will say, um, thanks for taking some time to, to speak to us. It's, uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Look, I always start the podcast in exactly the same way. And it's for me, it's all about trying to get some, go right all the way back to the start. But before we do that, it would be good to get just kind of an intro from you on who you are, what you're doing at the moment. And uh, just, a, I guess, kind of the high level overview of the current situation. And then we'll, we'll go all the way back to the start and work from there. Yeah, no problems at all. So um, obviously, Lisa Gibbard, I am the CIO at Thomas Miller, which is a mutuals business. So mutual management um, of a number of clubs and businesses, relatively small, been here now 15 months, uh, so which has gone very, very quickly. Um, and obviously, the CIO looking to develop and enhance the technology offering and services to our clubs and members fundamentally. So um, we'll, I think we'll come on to talk about what's on the agenda and stuff like that um, in, in, a, in a little while. Um, but uh, like I say, I want to go all the way back to the to the start. Um, the, the the obvious question is how did you how did you get into insurance and technology to start with? Where 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 was the where was the starting point for all that? So my actually actually technology started back in banking. Um, I started on the graduate program at NatWest. And that was purely, purely by chance. Finished university, hadn't thought about what I wanted to do. Took a job at the university for a year, which was all about organizing freshers week and doing milk rounds, which was great fun in terms of maintaining and continuing my student life. Then decided I had to get a permanent job, you know, and something more serious. And it was pure charm. And it was nepotism in the best way in that I was talking to a cousin of mine who worked in banking and he said oh what are you going to do and I said oh, I haven't decided yet so he said oh well, we have a graduate scheme why don't you send me your CV and I'll pull it forward he said and if you do get a role I get you know an incentive for a recruitment fine so I said, okay <laughs> fine and uh, effectively I'd literally just missed the graduate milk round uh, and it was NatWest Bank um, but they said actually we've still got some vacancies so we'll see her in parallel so I went in interviewed and got the job so uh, that's how I fell into IT I definitely wasn't a strategic choice wasn't a informed decision it was just a oh, graduate program banks my two brothers worked in banking so you know followed in their uh, footsteps so, so what was the first job? What, would, what was that job? What did you go in to do? 
So on the graduate scheme, I worked on the Unisys platform. Gosh, that feels like a long time ago. And I worked in a small department of about 24 people, 22 guys, female PA and one female on shift. And she worked shifts. I rarely saw her because we never, our paths hardly crossed. But I was in there as a project manager. So I started on the project management journey. I was very fortunate. I worked with some really strong individuals, both from a business perspective and from a technical perspective um, in terms of, you know, driving the right business outcomes for people. So had a great year, I think, working on that platform and then moved into what was called service induction within uh, NatWest, which is on the infrastructure side. And my claim to fame, although it's a sad historical moment now, was one of the big projects I worked on was opening up check clearance centres for NatWest. So I opened up the first four check clearance centres, which was fantastic. So I could always explain the business process when I went into a bank and they lost my check, why it shouldn't have happened. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So how long did you spend at NatWest? Only a couple of years. So the CIO then moved on to Centrica, or as was British Gas Trading in those days. And he took a number of the guys that I'd worked with previously. They asked me if I wanted to join as well. So I went and worked for... British Gas. Um, fortunately, I didn't think everyone told me it would be fine, you know, traveling out towards Heathrow every day. And they said, you know, you'll be missing the traffic because everyone's coming into London. But of course, never thought about the Heathrow traffic. So yeah. I only spent a year there in on Y2K yeah. and a year. And then once when it took me three hours to get home, I decided enough was enough um, and fell into the insurance world. Got a call from somebody said, you know, there's a company called Aon. And I said, who? They said, oh, you know, they're acquiring a lot of businesses, they're merging, they're making a big footprint and they're looking for some capabilities. I said, okay, great, let's have a conversation. And that's how I fell into insurance. I've done a lot of fooling, I think, um, in the early years of my life. Yeah, yeah, it's often the way, isn't it? Um, it certainly was for me anyway. But um, so th- uh, that's interesting. So you, you, you kind of had three or four years experience before you went into the insurance space. So and, and have you spent all of your career there since? Have you kind of gone out of it at all? And what was that kind of evolution from project management? How did that, that, that kind of journey look like to, to kind of CIO type roles? Yeah, absolutely. So I went in to start the Enterprise Portfolio Office for Aon and worked with Anne Bowden, who was obviously the then CIO, who's obviously now the CEO of Starling Bank. Um, So I went in and worked um, as part of the development team, building out the change capability. I was really lucky, I would say, as well. I had an opportunity to work with one of the big four as part of the Y2K program that was undergoing at that time, which gave me a good experience, good idea in terms of how to work across the businesses, etc., and you know, I, I moved on from that to take on uh, a big strategic change program, which was rolling out. It feels so old school and archaic now, but document management and workflow across insurance and reinsurance, and really worked my way up through Aon. Really, so I was the director of document management and workflow. I worked on the IT strategy with the IT leadership team. Became a member of the IT leadership team, and yeah, broke my teeth really in terms of delivering change across the businesses there um and it was great great experience it was hard work you know there was a really you know strong delivery culture and getting things done at aon obviously it was very large and uh, for me it was a, a great you know another great footprint for me to develop and evolve and i was very lucky i had some good mentors some good sponsorship you know great supporters there that allowed me to evolve and to develop 
And, and so what, what, when would, uh, did you break into a kind of uh, a CIO type role there or did, was it so, did you go somewhere else? How, how did you, because I think a lot of the people that I speak to and a lot of the people that listen to the podcast, it, it's often the getting that first CIO role is the hardest one, right? Like, you mean, you, 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 to break over that barrier, you, are, you mean typically either most people, if they want, they're going to hire a CIO, they want someone who's got experience of doing that role. So, so often the only way to do it is, is internally, there's, then they've got to take a bit of a leap of faith. So how, how did that, what did that look like for you? Yeah, so that was one of well, one of the decisions why I left Aon actually, because we were a strong IT leadership team, but I recognised I wasn't going to be Anne's successor, and therefore decided that I needed to, um, you know, to make a change. And there was two reasons. It was there was that in terms of where was going to be my next career move, um, and number two, I also met my husband there. So given that we lived and breathed Aon during the day, and then ended up talking about it, usually about <laughs> you know why IT doesn't work and who does he need to talk to, I decided I needed a break from that as well. So yeah. I literally was interviewing at an, uh, an underwriting company and was on the final interview and then I got this call out of the blue from somebody who I knew saying look actually there's a head of application development um, going at this new relatively new startup would you be interested at all well, actually interesting I'm just interviewing I'm in the final stages and um, they said oh you should really meet with this company I think you'll really like them they've got real aspirations to grow and I said okay great I'll go meet them and the role I was already engaged in was actually more of a business partner, business relationship piece between IT and the business. So I went to meet this new company, which was Aspen, which was a couple of years old. It was quite amazing, actually. We literally did three interviews back to back in one evening because they knew I was under offer from this other organization. Wow. Met people, really liked the people, got a real good sense for the organization as soon as I walked through the door. And it just felt right. It really did. So I went through the interviews. They offered me the jo job of head of application development. The gentleman I was going to work for, who was the CIO, was really honest. He said, Lisa, look, this is a two-year stint for me. I'm looking for my successor. You know, so that's really what this role's about. And I thought, well, that's exactly where I want to be. So, um, yeah, let's go for it. So I didn't get my opportunity as the CIO until I moved to Aspen. So, yeah, amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, a recruiter's dream for three, uh, three interviews in one evening. If only everyone was like that, it was that quick. I think uh, it would be, it <laughs> it would was be exhausting. a much job. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, full on. So, um, and, and you mean, well, I think we're going to go into this in a, in a, a, a little bit more detail, but I, I know when you started talking about it, the, the first role at NatWest, you said tw 22 men, two, two female, one was, the, one was the PA, which I think is probably a fairly, uh, fairly common story. So, you mean, I, I, and I, I'm making the assumption, possibly wrong, we correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, being pretty much all your time in financial services bar the, bar the, the, the kind of short stint into utilities. I, I'm, I'm making the assumption that, especially in the early years, it probably even more so, it, it is much so now, that you that that's been a fairly common theme in in, in technology. So, t talk to me about that. And I mean, how 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 did you find that when and you mean initially when you were going in, that must have been relatively daunting going into NatWest. Um, but but yeah, what, how, how have you found it? Yeah, I don't know, actually. So I always pull it down to the fact that I'm from an Irish background and probably spent my teens, my late teens, in an Irish pub. Um, <laughs> so I used to have to hold my own, and I did manage to hold my own and, you know, would have a bill of the banter, gift of the gab, you know, um, was fairly quick with my retorts back So and have fairly broad shoulders. So, you know, maybe not wouldn't be considered appropriate perhaps today, but I would hold my own with any of the guys. 
and you know I didn't mind it I enjoyed the band I enjoyed the, the the approach but you know I think it takes certain people to be able to to operate in an environment like that so you know it'd certainly be frowned upon in in, in today's society but at the time and I knew no different actually so you know it was it was fun I had a laugh I enjoyed it you know I hate to say it in some respects I was one of the lads yeah yeah, no, and I think I think that's. Uh, I mean, obviously, I've been recording this series and uh, kind of coming to the to the end now. But uh, that that's been a fairly common theme, actually. Like, I've been really interested in kind of exploring like what people's experiences is uh, and 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 what the challenges they have. And, and there's a real mixed bag. But there, there, there's lots of people. I think that's fairly common that people come from a background where they I don't know they're around lots of men or they've got family and they've got brothers and all this kind of stuff. So therefore, it's actually not not as 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 difficult as one might. might might expect it to be but you mean through your journey in and your career you mean what's your kind of view on where we're at now like in comparison to where you've been from a from a, a diversity especially from a, a kind of women in technology obviously that's the key theme of this this podcast um what, what's your view on kind of where we're at now and what do you see as the kind of hurdles that we need to still need to get over well, before I go there, I'll probably just share one quick story with you. It's quite funny because I used Amazing. to want to fit in, obviously, story. with the lads. So, so, you know, I would wear the trouser suits, never wore a dress suit in those days. It was less common, <laughs> I think, as well. But I think the epitome was I decided it was quite trendy. But you'd see these, you know, six foot beautiful models wearing ties. So I decided I'd give a tie a go. You know, funky, trendy, not like a guy would wear it, you know. But I'm not really a funky, trendy person. And, you know, a couple of guys literally said, Lisa, I said, well, I'm giving it a go. You know, it's on trend at the moment. This was the 80s, 80s, 90, uh, 90s. Um, and, uh, you know, after one working lunch of trying to hold the tie in place and not get it in my sandwiches, I was like, why would you ever wear a tie? This is ridiculous. So uh, <laughs> so that, that suitably got re, uh, recycled fairly quickly. But, um, yeah. yeah, so, uh, no, you know, it, it's interesting. I mean, it's evolved a lot. It's moved on a lot, I think, from, from when I started. You know, women were in the minorities. There are more women in technology now, which is great to see. I think, you know, women bring a lot of skills and capabilities to a technology function that, you know, naturally inherent in, you know, in women that's slightly different to men. Um, so I think it's getting better. Are we there yet? No. And I think it, it, it's a real challenge. Um, and we, you know, we, you know, I did a podcast internally with another colleague of mine talking about um, women in senior roles, etc. And it's about how do you get the balance between work, between life, between everything, really. And there is so much more companies can do to support and facilitate that and, and to look broader than just the short term and you know are women going to take a career break you know I've seen so many women come back after a career break and their careers taken off I've seen others who've chosen not to take a career break you know I had children I came back after three and four months you know after my two children and I think part of that was driven by me feeling I couldn't take more time off there was part of me if I'm honest as well but he thought oh my god I'm not sure I want to be at home all day as well with a child and you know I'm not sure I'm ready for it or good enough for it so so you know there are elements there but I do you know it, it, it's getting better you know and we talk about well you know in diversity inclusion is more than just obviously just about women you know it is evolving but it's going to take time you know I see the younger generation coming through you know male female who are much more open and you know different in their approach whether it's from a parenting or career or whatever there is there's more of equality i think just generally and maybe 
you know, maybe I'm slightly biased, but I certainly feel that more that it's it's more balanced. You know, when people go into relationships these days, there there is an equitable position more so now than there's ever been. I think there's always an expectation. Certainly, when I you know started working, that the women would be off. You know, blah blah blah. It's great some of the things that's happened in terms of sharing parental leave. But, you know, I, I think that is a real positive step forward. I think what we've now got to be thinking about, though, is what else we can do, um, you know, in terms of balancing, you know, work, life. You know, I think COVID has for all of its negatives. Some of the positives that has shown that, you know, you can work differently. You can work flexibly. You know, the mottos I have here is let's not measure people on when people are sitting at their desk, what they're doing. Let's measure them on what they're achieving. You know, and if they're achieving what they need to do, Absolutely allow flexibility. And I think, you know, organisations are recognising that for, it doesn't matter what sex, culture, whatever you come from, people like organisations who provide it, you know, who will provide that flexibility as long as people are doing their job, right? Because that's what we, we care about as organisations, that people are doing what they're being asked to do and being paid to do. And as long as you can flex your working model, how, how you do things, and people continue to deliver, then great. Then, you know, mm. let's embrace it. Let's do more of that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, t- I, I totally agree with you. I, I mean, I think obviously in my line of work, you see the different approaches to, to what people are taking for flexibility. And and there's absolutely no doubt about it that the, the people that are able to be more flexible, the, the benefits are, 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 and I'm certainly not saying kind of work from home all the time kind of stuff. I, I'm, not, I'm personally not sure that that works 100%. But, but being able to have the flexibility for times you start and finish and stuff like that, I mean, it's... Um, you, you, you just get a happy happy workforce, don't you? I mean, that if, if nothing else, the people you're working for are gonna, that are working for you are going to be be happier and therefore more motivated to work hard and stuff like that. I think, which I think is 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 ultimately has to be a, a good thing. But yeah, having having that, you mean, I had a baby in lockdown, so I, I kind of uh, it was great being around being around and being able to be more flexible because I think that's the thing is that when you're in the office more, not only did you have to be there a lot, but you, you, you also want one of those parents would have to be there to be around the child. But um, yeah, fair play to you for going back after three or four months. Did you, did you fit, I mean, you touched on it actually br- briefly. Um, it's interesting to kind of get into your mindset there. I mean, did you think that you, that if you didn't go back quickly, there was that kind of fear of like, I don't know, being replaced or someone else would do your job and therefore, you mean, is that is that the, was that the mindset then? Do you think you did, people didn't have that flexibility in that, do you know I mean, to give you the gateway to be able to stay at home for a year or whatever people do now? Yeah, I, you know what, I, I, I don't think it was that, it was more me in terms of what am I missing out on? Where's the business going? You know, how should I be contributing? Not that I'd be forgotten, um, but fundamentally, you know, how do I keep in touch? And obviously, you've got much more in touch with work days. And also, just... Re- so, you know, I had a hang-up, I think, in my earlier career, right? I never admitted I wanted children. Mm. And I actually had to be coached through getting to that stage. And it, to me, in those days, and again, it was felt like a sign of weakness that you'd think yeah. about wanting to have children, which is so archaic you know in that piece so I think there was an element of me proving that yes I can have children and yes you know I can carry on and do everything and I remember meeting a woman in the insurance market she went you can have everything now I would challenge that you can't have everything right Mm. well it depends on what you want right so you know yes you can have children yes you can have a career I'm not saying that 
but there are life choices that you make, right? So, you know, I technically outsource my, you know, the childcare in their earlier years. I did make sure I got home for bath time and bedtime and things like that. But you do have to make choices. So if you want time and you don't want, you know, parental guilt of, you know, leaving your children early in the morning, late in the evening, there are life choices. So I don't think it's everything. You can make it work, but you have to make compromise, whether it's on the career side or the child side. And I think now, as we talked about, that doesn't just come down to the women. I do see the younger generations much more split responsibilities, which is fantastic um, in doing that. So, so I don't think, you know, when people say you can have everything, I just don't know if people are being true to themselves because I definitely had guilt, you know, leaving my children and going off. And then, you know, I actually did go away for nine weeks when my children were three and two. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it was fantastic for me. It was fantastic from a career perspective. You know, is there some guilt there totally there's some guilt there but um you know and there's no wrong or right either i think that's the other thing you know it's particularly as a new mother or a new father right you beat yourself up about what you could have done different done better but you know your children will find their way their journey um so you just have to go with it and do what's what what you feel is best and what's right for you but i would also strongly recommend and i don't just focus on children in this but you know i've seen people who've carried on working through i've had people who've got rid of got the children first and the career i've seen others who have done the career and had children later on life and there's no right or wrong it's just what works for you yeah i think i mean i i like I, I can resonate with the guilt thing massively and i, I mean my, i think my setup's actually re- relatively good in comparison to what it would have been pre-covid but i can definitely resonate with that um just not getting home and not seeing kids enough when you're traveling around especially coming into london and stuff like that can be can be tough um but yeah i i, th- I think um I, I think you're right in regards to when um you say you, you you can't have you can't have everything because um, I I do think that is a bit of a utopia. I think you can get have parts of everything, but you can't have a hundred percent of everything because you I mean if 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 your time's a hundred percent in one thing, it's not going to be somewhere else, is it? So, um, but um, but yeah, I think hopefully we're moving to more of a, I think the 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 model in in which people are moving towards now is makes sense. It's just the case of not slipping back into old habits, isn't it? Which is quite can be quite easy to do. Um, so yeah, what what do you think the um, the kind of the main hurdles now and the kind of solution? What do you think the solution is of getting more people into in, or more girls into to technology? Because I think part of the the challenges is uh, again, and I see it all the time, is that you want you want to get more females into senior leadership positions. But to be frank, there's just not enough to go around. Like, do you mean that? that, that so so if someone's doing really well and have got loads of good good women in technology senior technology positions, someone down the down the path is losing because there's just not do you mean there's not enough to, to fill enough positions do you see what i mean yeah no definitely so obviously we need more women coming through um we need um to see those numbers grow and obviously that's going to take time because you know if i think back to my career and actually there were some senior women obviously through my early career which is fantastic yeah. but it's going to take time to generate more and more people so i think there's more to be done around you know schools education you know, what technology can bring, etc. I think that's really important. But then I also do think there is that whole piece about, and it's going to come back to that flexibility around, you know, parenting and things like that. Because, and it's not even just in technology, actually. I was talking to a group of women in insurance in different roles outside of technology. Mm. And, you know, some of them are saying, you know, in terms of balancing everything, in terms of balancing home, work, 
all of that how can we do it how can we make it happen and you know and we need to think about different ways different ways of keeping people making it um acceptable for them i'll give you a really great example and i think you know covid's brought this home to a lot of us um, and it wasn't a female presenter it's a male colleague who has various things coming on aging parents you know various different things and so he just said look i'm at that age now where i think i'm just going to retire and i said do you want to retire he said well no but i just can't balance a full-time role with all the other things i've got going on in my life so i said okay so you don't want to would you consider a semi-retirement approach? And he said, absolutely. And I said, right, well, let's look at the role. Let's see what we can do and what we can do differently to see if we can, you know, retain you. And I think that's what we've got to be thinking about. Forget what sex you are in terms of how do we keep people in the workforce and how do we balance it? I think, you know, COVID in itself has brought people with different views, different perspectives on life, different priorities. So it's how do you get that flexible workforce back to your point earlier? You know, how do we drive the, you know, the right outcome, but have that flexibility and agility as well? So um, I think we need to do more of that. And but, you know, as I'm finding, I've got children now, in my teens, and it just brings different challenges. I've got aging parents and, and in-laws. I, you know, I've got children going through, you know, teen stages and that just brings different challenges. Um, so it is, you know, how can you balance both and what can you do? And, you know, that's for me what, you know, you've got to look at is how do we make those opportunities work for people so they can get that balance and not get burnt out. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's uh, that's massive. I think it is certainly we've got to find a way of retaining the good people that are already there, um, male or female, and and find a way of of getting more people interested in technology. So it'd be interesting to see how that pans out. There's certainly a lot of work that needs to be done, but I, I think if we, if we just don't get more people in, in in the funnel at the bottom, then 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 it's just going to be an ongoing cycle of kind of a race to try and get some more people into position. You're just sticking a sticking a bandaid over it kind of thing rather than actually solving the real root of the problem. Yeah, for me, it's very much around making sure that technology is partnering with the businesses, focused on business outcomes, technology refresh. It's about driving that right outcome from a business perspective. You know, I never, ever profess to be a technical geek. Um, I can I can hold my own in debate and discussion. But for me, it's about how do, you know, how do we f- facilitate and how do we support our members? You know, we are a member-based business in the main. Um, and, you know, it's again, how does technology contribute to that? How do we make a better user experience, member experience? How do we make ourselves more efficient for our members? How do we give greater insight to our members? Um, so it's really working with the various different clubs and businesses Um talking about technology innovation you know we are quite a traditional business so what can we do differently how can we change and evolve our thinking um different ways of working using technology and things like that so there's an element of driving modernization driving innovation driving increased communication and collaboration joined upness making sure that our technology strategy represents our business strategy you know all those types of things that are really really important to you know set a business up for success and what what and what do you think like the insurance space obviously going through lots of change at the moment you mean what what do you see the kind of the 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 big challenges for the sector over the next couple of years from a tech perspective where where, what what's the what's kind of top of the agenda do you think just industry-wide from your in your opinion yeah, so I probably don't follow it as close as I used to as much. But I think from my perspective, it's 
you know it's around the whole operating model and how we service you know we're you know in the main you know when we talk about it if you look at the b2c businesses they're probably embracing technology a bit more than b2b but it's how do we make it work for everybody both you know underwriting and the broking community and how you know to focus on really giving the clients you know, better service, a quality service at a right price point. And it's quite a challenge with the operating model and the way it works because there's conflicting priorities in the food chain. So, you know, obviously that's a challenge. You know, you've got a challenge from a business perspective just in terms of the market, market conditions, you know, the various different, you know, when we look at, you know, the scenarios and events that happen, it brings its own challenges. But if we focus on technology, it's really about, small incremental steps to making it better making a more seamless process and making it easier to do business i think it's really really important you know we always kind of tend to follow the banking you know you've got quite a few challenger banks out there now and you see they move much quicker than you know some of the more established you know NatWest and uh, rbs's of this world you know who have a lot of legacy and challenge around there and probably aren't as nimble so you know, we hear a lot about, you know, insurance techs and, you know, how we're going to move that forward. And so, you know, for me, it's a watch this space, see where it goes, right? So I guess uh, I wanted to move on um, now to talk just a bit about kind of advice, really. I mean, there's a lot of the people that listen to the podcast are, are people that are probably a kind of a level or two below where you're at, at the moment, are aspiring kind of CIO, CTO type people. So hopefully hopefully, lots of women in, in that position listening uh, to this series, at least. Um, so what, what what's your advice? I mean, not just necessarily for women, but, um, but, but for people, you mean... What, what what bits of advice would you give to someone who is inspiring to do that, wants to get that opportunity that you had? What what do you think they need to do in order to kind of position themselves well to, to get that, that chance? Yeah, so I think from my perspective, if I talk about, I think, the things that contributed to my success, um, definitely was around stakeholder management. You know, making sure people know who you are for the right reasons, obviously not the wrong reasons. Building relationships, engaging with people across the business. You know, what I see sometimes with technology people, they can be tend to stay in that technology box. Technology is there to support the business, you know, and insurance was, you know, slow to the table in many respects of seeing technology as part of the business. You know, you still go into some businesses and they talk about the business and IT. Well, you know, technology is fundamentally part of any business and a business can't operate. I remember having a debate with an underwriter once when he kept on referring to them and us. I said, well, that's fine. I'll turn off all the technology. Give me a call, you know, when you, you realize you can't write any more business, you know, give us a call when you need me. And he went, all right, fair point, you know. So so I think for it's really important about having clear stakeholders, understanding who can help you, who can support you, getting their support and sponsorship, you know, having a good coach or mentor uh, to work with. Interestingly, you know, I'm quite a outgoing I come across very confident. I'm not always confident. I never was always confident in my career. So it is that self-belief, having somebody to check in with, you know. So definitely stakeholder management is key, I think, number one. I think the second thing, and, you know, my early career was quite, in the environments I was operating in, there was a lot of politics. So I was very fortunate to have early visibility of politics, you know, and politics always exist. And, you know, in my perspective, I don't, 
you know, politics are exhausting. If you want to play politics, it's really, really exhausting. I think you need to be politically astute and politically aware and just think about where people are coming from, etc. You know, my, my mantra now is be politically astute, don't play the politics, because actually that's, that is exhausting for you. So I think it's, it's important to understand what the drivers and motivators of individuals are and people are to really help to see where you're informed. I think the third thing, and it was a real lesson, it was when I was at Aon, every Friday I used to go into one of the business areas and it would be a two and a half, three hour meeting, 20 people from the broken community operations side and usually myself, was the, I was the only person from IT. I used to get beaten up every Friday, you know, yeah. and this meeting was supposed to be about driving the change agenda forward and we'd spend at least an hour and a half of everyone just having a go at me about how IT didn't work. And, you know, and I was really proud of what we were trying to achieve. And I was really defensive and trying to, you know, because it wasn't all IT's fault. It was absolutely a mixture, right? I, at the time, I had a coach and I said, it's really frustrating because we never talk about the actual problems. We focus on, you know, the, the minutia. This person turned around to me and said, have you ever tried just said, yeah, okay, I agree. It's my fault. Now, what do we do? And I went, well, no, of course I haven't. I'm not going to admit I'm wrong if I wasn't wrong. Um, and they went, just give it a go. And I still remember to this day, I went into this meeting, I thought, here we go. And this one person started kind of, you know, IT this, IT that. And I went, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And this is what I'm going to do about it. And then they carried on talking. And they went, sorry. I went, no, you're right. I'm going to do this. And they went, right. Okay. And then we said, right, should we go on to the rest of the agenda items? And it was the first time we ever completed the agenda items, wow. you know. And it was just, and that was like, oh my God, wow. So, you know, sometimes, you know, it's, it's about don't sweat the minutia. You know, sometimes it's easy to just go, you're right, take it on board, let's move on, you know, to get the right business outcome. Sounds like it could be relationship advice as well. I think I do that most times with my wife. <laughs> to, to, to get, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, right. it probably is my fault. So I'll just take, I'll take it on the chin and let's, let's fight, figure out a solution. But yeah, I mean, I think that's, um, that's, that's a really big one. You I mean, the, well, well I heard the, the, the business coach you had probably uh, earned their money just uh, there and then with that one. It's a kind of thing. That, it's a bit of an eye opener, isn't it? It's like, why have I not been doing this for years? Yeah, it really is, you know. And and then the other thing I would say is always be honest, right? We know there's challenges with IT, right? Just have that honest conversation with people. You know, say, look, this is what we could have done better. But you know what? What what would have helped had we have known X, Y, or Z? Or, you know, involve us, you know, inform us, you know, and really partner, dr drive that partnership, you know? I think it is so, so important. And I really will challenge people who see us as, you know, a secondary level like, no we're actually part of this business we're all in it for the same outcome you know so you know make sure we're part of that decision making and, and involved and um, and don't be subservient I see so many IT people feel subservient and and it's not we're all equal playing field we're all employed to do the right thing um, so again and to your point it's about building those relationships and building strong relationships and you know having the difficult conversations do you think with the um, with that the kind of because you, you mentioned a lot about building relationships and stakeholder management stuff? Do you think that getting the understand because I, I one thing I see quite a lot and I've never really thought about it until you just said that is that 
people are pretty good at building and I think technology people now are better at building the relationship but a lot of the time they don't understand what those people do and understand the business do you, and, and and I think that understanding that makes it easier to, to kind of be able to build that relationship so do you think technology people should invest more time in understanding what the business actually does and what those people do around the table and how they add value as well to be able to kind of do you know I mean strengthen that relationship Totally, you know, I, and let me give you a couple of experiences. So when I was going through my interview process for the underwriting house, you know, I said something like, yeah, no, I appreciate we had a project going, there we had a project going live. I said, no, I appreciate, you know, you've got one ones, you've got this, you've got that. And he went, oh, you understand the business then, you understand our renewal cycle. And I said, well, of course I do, you know, kind of thing. You know, probably been married to a broker, probably. So help that, I suppose, in some respects as well. But you, you how can you help if you don't understand the business? And you know, when I first got onto the group executive Aspen, I was like, oh, my God. You know, I had questions around the business side. And the first meeting I went into, there was issues with the technology, and they all looked at me. And I went, am I invited here as part of an executive leadership team, or am I invited here to support the technology? And they all went, fair point. You know, I really had to stand up. There was, I, I still remember to this day standing there thinking, I just don't get this. And, you know, Chris O'Kay, who's the chief exec, said to me, no you're right Lisa I don't get this either you know so it's again you're not you know when you when you do start to grow seeing yourself as part of that business you know don't pigeonhole yourself in the technology make sure that you see yourself as part of the leadership team driving that business forward um, you can't do your job if you don't understand the business yeah I, 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 yeah, I completely agree I think that's uh, one thing I, I mean I don't work I work peripheries of insurance but uh, I've always thought that trying to understand how the business it works will make it easier to do my job as well and, and I think that's one thing technology people not always but I, I, I see it quite a lot that, that that's probably where they lack a little bit it's like I kind of know how to the systems and all that kind of stuff work but actually if you go and put me in front of someone in the business I've got no so therefore you can't have that, that empathy with what they're going through if you don't know how that what their job is and what they're doing um so i think that that i think that's a massive one yeah so uh so some really good bits of advice there the other thing i would say about that is you know it's making sure you know when you when you're thinking about your career make sure you've got good people around you right so i always have people around me who are better than me in their distinct areas i think that's really important and a lesson i learned early on in well early on in my career and it was at aspen actually i learned a lot at aspen you know, it's about bringing in good people. You know, you cannot know everything and you need that good leadership team with you to support you and you need to look after them. And going back to your point, I still remember this was, um, you know, an early lesson at Aspen. We were hiring somebody. I still remember, actually, I was on maternity leave. I think I um, I interviewed this guy on maternity and he was coming in, never worked in the insurance market before. And we had this big change agenda and he was coming up to head up the testing for a new systems implementation. I was speaking to the recruitment agent and they said, look, we've got this great guy. He is perfect. He's brilliant for you. And I said, but he's not worked in insurance. I need somebody who's going to be credible, credible with the business. They said, trust me, he will. She said, I'll tell you what I'll do. The first month, he's going to come in. If he doesn't know within two weeks how to you know, engage with the business and know the business, you know, I won't charge you for this resource. I was like, oh, she's fairly confident. You know, it's not many recruit agents will tell you they're not going to charge you for that resource. Um, anyway, this guy came in and I sat in a meeting. I was going back to work and I sat in a meeting with him. And two weeks later, he was challenging the business on the business process. Very bright, very intellectual. Um, and it just showed. And, it, you know, and the business loved him thereafter because he challenged them in the right way and, and asked them about things, you know. 
Um, so again, it is about making sure you surround yourself with good people. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I, I think uh, yeah, that inquisitive mindset is huge and stuff like that, isn't it? Um, so like, as I say, we're, we're coming towards the end of the the, the podcast now. So I, I ask three questions uh, at the end uh, all the time, and then we've got a bit of a, a kind of a bit more for fun quick fire round. So the the first one is what what is it that you love about the insurance space? You've been you've been in it a long time now, so there must be something you like about it. Yeah, I think from my perspective, it is about the relationships piece. You know, I do enjoy the relationship piece. I enjoy coming to work. I enjoy trying to help organizations, you know, think about things differently from a technology space. I think it is a, a rich environment for technology. There is so much opportunity, you know, to work collaboratively and collegiately together to get right, the right business outcomes. So for me, it, it, it's the personable side of it. I really enjoy the environment in which you work, but also it's the opportunity side of it as well in terms of making a difference. Yeah, yeah, amazing. The second one is what's the best thing about being behind your desk right now? My team. My team and the business, you know, I'm really enjoying working with people. You're, and again, as you said earlier, you know, I talk a lot about relationships. Mm. I really enjoy working with people to solve problems, solve issues, fix problems, make things better. Um, you know, how can we make things better, make sure that people are happier and that we're just not, um, you know, drinking our own Kool-Aid type approach, you know, but getting honest feedback from people. I've got no issues getting real harsh, honest feedback if people think, you know, we're not doing a great job you know, addressing that and fixing it and, and making it better, hopefully. Yeah, great. And then uh, the last one is, what is the one question I should have asked you, but I didn't? You know, I'm, I, I I'm think probably going to make you answer it. So, so <laughs> I've had some weird and wonderful ones. Well, I know one of the questions you suggested you might ask was around best technology, and I had to give that a lot of thought, or best brands, etc. And I'm, um, I'm, I'm still going to ask you the quick fire round at the uh, end. So that, yeah, that's okay. yeah, I'm still going to ask you uh, that. Okay. Um, no, do you know what? I, I suppose you, you never ask about regrets. I suppose yeah? in terms okay. of regrets in your career, I don't have many. I'll be honest with you. In the, you know, it's really interesting, but, you know, I think about, if you think back to when I took my Aspen job, I could have gone to the other organization and I'd had a yeah. very different one. If I'd have stayed at Aon, would have I have followed Anne to the digital banking world? Who knows, right? You mm. just, you can't look at it like that. You have to look at it, um, into, you'll never know. And, you know, I was trying to think about questions, you know, I think one of the fire, fire ones is about, you know, best movie. I was thinking, oh God, I don't know. But, you know, it's about you cannot you can't look at the decision you've made because you never know what where the other decision would have gone you know had you have made it so you just have to say you made the right decision at the right time based on the information you had and you know and i think that's really really key and and also the other thing i would say sorry i'm kind of going over a bit um of an old point but you know when you're talking about in terms of your career i when i started off my journey i was biased towards people who were like me and one of the things I had in my earlier career was I was given people who were not like me. And at first I was like, oh, my God, how am I going to cope? You know, because I just want to get stuff done and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to break through these barriers. And and I had a team who was totally counter to me. And they really made me realize where their skills and capabilities came into a job. So I always say to people, nobody ever comes into work for example to do a bad job so if you think somebody's not performing you have to look at it and say from your perspective 
what am I not doing to make that person successful? And I think that's a, it's very easy for people to go, oh, they're rubbish, they're no good at this. But you have to step back and say, what could I do differently to help them be successful? Or why is it do you, I think they're not doing a good job? You know, um, and I think it's really important. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Right, so the first question of the quickfire round is, what is the one piece of technology you couldn't live it's without? It's my electric toothbrush. Amazing. Okay, I've had a lot of mobile phones. Is this what's what's special about the electric toothbrush? Well, they're so clever now. They tell you how you've cleaned, how you've not cleaned, and I'm really paranoid about making sure I've cleaned my teeth properly. So you now <laughs> can get statistics and analysis in terms of have you cleaned them appropriately. So uh, yeah, I really? think it's great. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that. I'm going to have to mm -hmm. look at that. Um, so uh, number two, what's the brand or company you really admire and why? Do you know what? I really reflected on this. I don't have a brand or company per se that I can. I take them as what do I need and what yeah. services do I need. Therefore, I don't get excited. I have brands that I purposely choose not to endorse. So, um, yeah, I, I don't have one. It's all about what, what the, the thing is I need or the service I, I have. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, Favourite business-related book? I love... And it's an old school book, but The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. I think that was a bit of a game changer for me. Really, really okay. good. What, what, I mean, I, I guess the title tells a part of the story, but give, give us a kind of a high level overview of what, what it's about. Yeah, so it tells you about the different peoples and the different personalities. And as you read this book, you think about it in the context of the people and the team that you work with. And it right. tells you about how they operate and how, you know, what works well for them and doesn't work well for them. And it, it's really revealing. And you see yourself in the book as you read through it and go, oh, my God, that's me. Amazing. Uh, you touched on it a second ago. Kind of favorite film or TV series. You can have one or the other or both if you want one of each. Yeah, it took me a while. I like a lot of the new ones that are coming out on Netflix and BBC. But I think the one for me was definitely through COVID was This Is Us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've watched that. Yeah, very good. Um, the next, um, second from last one. If you weren't a tech leader, what would you be? A CFO. Really? Okay, that's I know, it's quite sad, isn't it? Sorry, CFOs out there. <laughs> so, so did you, did, were you into finance at all earlier on? What, what, what's the, give, us the, give us the kind of reasoning behind that. So a couple of things. So I have a maths degree. So maths is my okay. passion. I do enjoy maths. You know, when my kids look at simultaneous equations and quadratic equations, I get very excited, which is really, really sad. <laughs> I do think I was also taught very early on in my career that as a CIO, you're only ever as good as your last budget round. So you right. have to understand your numbers. So I do love budgets and IT budgets in particular. And thirdly, you know, I look at CFOs in terms of you know, you look at career paths, if you want to be a CEO of an organization, you know, and maybe it's changed a bit now with technology, but certainly as a CFO that, you know, you're, you're statistically, I think, more likely to end up at the top table than uh, mm. maybe a CIO, CTO. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if that changes, though, as technology mm. evolves. I was reading an article actually not so long ago about when were the kind of first, in, in insurance, actually, when were the first kind of CIO become CEO. I think it probably will happen eventually. But I think so. Yeah. I think it's definitely a change in stat. But definitely, if I had my time again, it would be a CFO. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And then last but not least, um, who is your number one female role model? So it's my mum. It's yeah, my mum. Amazing. Yeah. And not for anything particular reason. My mum was very hard-working, honest, community-based individual who did everything for everybody else and took no nonsense. 
didn't no messing around you know you fell over she told you to get back up and stop feeling sorry <laughs> for yourself and you know those types of things so she would definitely be my role model brilliant what a way to end well look you mean all that that leaves to say is is first of all th- thank you so much for um taking the time out to that i've really enjoyed talking to you that was uh, that was really good fun off the back of this i'm sure people will want to reach out to you for for various uh, reasons um is is linkedin the best way to get get hold of you if anyone wants to connect and drop your message absolutely all i would say is yes linkedin but make sure you reference that it's as a result of this because i tend not to accept um, all the invites i get on uh, linkedin yeah okay perfect well look you mean as i say thanks again um exactly the same for for me if anyone wants to reach out to me to discuss anything linkedin's the best place yeah hope uh, everyone's enjoyed the episode and um and we'll catch up with you again soon great fantastic great to talk to you mark Thanks for listening to this episode of Behind the Desk with me, Mark Thomas. If you like the episode, please subscribe, give us a five-star rating, like and a comment, and even better, please share with your friends and colleagues. If you'd like to connect with me, you can do so at linkedin.com forward slash Mark Thomas and the number zero. It would be great to hear from you. Equally, if you have any suggestions for future guests or other areas you'd like me to explore, it would be great to hear them too. Behind the Desk is powered by Eames Consulting, part of the Eames Group. You can find out more about us at eamesconsulting.com. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to catching up with you again next time.